Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello dear listener and welcome back to a, another bonus episode of Owning It, the Anxiety Podcast. This time again it's just me. I wanted to take a little time out from all of my chats with different people and take a moment to really go back to one of the central tenets and aspects of my version of Owning It, which is CBT. So cognitive behavioural therapy, which is what it stands for, is something that I found invaluable when I was trying to put back the pieces of my life when anxiety had really taken over. And it's something that comes up again and again. And I guess I kind of skim past it because I'm so used to it. And it's just such a part of my daily life without even really being aware of it. But I thought it was important to sort of slow down and really hone in on exactly what that is and and what that involves and how it differs from other different therapies or modalities of of therapy. So when I started out trying to to put myself back together again, as I say, I was doing a lot of, I guess, what you call regular talking therapy. So um, traditional therapy where you're sitting across from a therapist and you're just unloading onto them and dumping and, well, not dumping in the crude sense, but letting all of your emotion out. And really what that's about is trying to put your finger on why you're upset or why you're anxious or why or even identify that you're anxious in the first place so I guess that is such a crucial step for a lot of people if they're you know really struggling and they just don't know what's happening why it's happening or even whether it's anxiety or not I found that really helpful for for a period of time but then after a while I kind of just observed that I would come out of my therapy sessions and this is no disrespect to therapists who don't use CBT but I would come out of them feeling way worse. I mean, I was just so upset and so exhausted from having put everything out there. And I didn't really feel like I was coming away with any sort of resolution or plan or call to action. And I guess when you're an anxious person, so much of the anxiety can be helped when we feel like we're in control. Because I guess anxiety is a feeling of a loss of control. Um, in whatever way it manifests in your life. Um, So for me, it wasn't enough to just talk about how bad I was feeling and to just drown in that and wallow in that. Up to a point, it served its purpose, but then eventually I felt like, you know what, I need to feel proactive. I need to take back control of this anxiety and feel like there's something I can do. There's a way forward. There's a plan of action. Something I can actually practically sit down with a pen and paper 
and feel like I'm making some headway, even if it's the tiniest bit of progress, just to understand the anxiety. And as I always said, and I, I've all, I will always continue to say it, when you understand how your brain is working and why these different thought patterns are occurring and why these different behaviours are manifesting, that is so much more than half the battle in terms of owning your anxiety. It is huge. I guess when I wrote owning it, um, CBT was a chapter I, I squashed in at the end. And it felt strange to do that because actually CBT had been woven in and out of it, but it's something that we're probably not really aware of all the time. And essentially, it's a form of therapy where we really look at how our thoughts, feelings and behaviours are interacting. So how your thoughts are forming, what thoughts you're having, that's cognitive, and how they're making you feel and, and act, that's behaviours. And then together, you look at how they're they're working together and, and what's causing what. And I guess the aim is with CBT is to look at that cycle. I guess it's a triangle, if you imagine it, of your thoughts, feelings and behaviours all feeding into each other. And the aim with the therapy is to break one of those cycles so that you can positively impact the other. So whether it's changing a thought or changing a behaviour or changing a feeling or even just observing them and watching what happens, that has been proven to be hugely effective for people, whether they're dealing with anxiety or or any different kind of emotional difficulty. Yeah, so basically we're using CBT anytime we are observing our thoughts, patterns and feelings. And when we're observing these, it's not it's not a passive thing. You're seeking to sort of positively reinforce a better alternative. So for example, and I'll go into more detail, my thoughts might be, oh, I'm I'm gonna fail this test. I'm I'm gonna make it balls with this public speaking appointment. And a, a more helpful thought might be well, I'm feeling anxious about doing this thing that scares me, but that's good because that means that I'm going to show up and prepare and do my best. So it's just very, very simple, subtle little things like that where CBT comes into play. Also, something to mention on CBT, it's not something that you have to stay in therapy for for forever. I sort of found that once I was doing enough CBT, I, I had a therapist who was brilliant and actually people always ask me about different therapist recommendations and I can't give you one because it's so personal and I don't even have one at the moment and I need to find one. So if anyone who's a therapist is listening, hit me up, please. But my point is, is that CBT is something that you can learn in a couple of sessions or whether you do it online or whether you do it through my book or whether you maybe do it through this podcast. Although again, I'm not a professional therapist. But once you've learned it, once you understand it, and once you have a couple of the experiments and the exercises to go back to, it's something that you can do completely by yourself. And that further reinforces the feeling of taking back control and being empowered and and really owning it. So whether you're working with a therapist or whether you're just doing it by yourself, your aim is to identify and change the way you think, cognitive, the way you act, behaviour, and do that using a mixture of proven techniques and exercises. I guess one of the other reasons that I I really gravitated towards this was because it focuses so much on the here and now and what you can do moving forward rather than focusing on the past, which you can't really do a whole lot about now. And again, it com- it becomes really effective when you get to that point where you know, okay, I know I'm anxious. I know what's going on in my life. I know the reasons why I've been anxious, but now what the fuck am I going to do about it? For me, that is the crucial point where CBT steps in. And another reason again is I know I've said this several times, but, you know, in a world full of lots of hippy-dippy alternative types of things that may work for some people, I am so, so keen on anything that's been scientifically proven and really can be explained. And there's so much, there's so much research behind this. And, you know, you're looking at your brain from a very scientific perspective, looking at your cognitive model, 
and how we can rewire our thinking so that it no no longer affects our feelings and our behaviours in such a negative way. At the centre of CBT, and you'll you'll definitely recognise this in yourself, is the belief that the way we perceive a situation is more closely connected to our reaction to it than the situation itself. And that's, I guess, anxiety in a nutshell. So it's perception, it's future-oriented, it's thinking, imagining a scenario or imagining a narrative around something that's far more anxiety-inducing and not really what's happening in the actual situation. For example, you could be thinking, you know, wow, this sounds good, this therapy sounds good, it's what I've always been looking for, um, and you feel positive encouraged. Or someone else might say, well, this sounds good, but I don't think I can do it. Their belief that they can't do it is inhibiting their chances of overcoming their anxiety. CBT was first developed by Dr. Aaron Beck of the Beck Institute, which I, I regularly turn to online if I need some, some good research uh, for CBT. And they say of this whole perception thing that when people are in distress, their perspective is often inaccurate and their thoughts may be unrealistic. Hands up if that sounds familiar. <laughs> Cognitive behavioural therapy helps people identify their distressing thoughts and evaluate how realistic those thoughts really are. Then they learn to change their distorted thinking. And when they think more realistically, that actually has a physiological effect in making them feel better. And the emphasis is also consistently on solving problems and initiating behavioural changes rather than just, as I said, going around and around and around in circles. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. So to give you an example of, of the connection between our, our cognition and our behavior, Let's take our thoughts. So for example, I can't cope. I feel anxious. I'm never going to be okay. Something awful might happen. Something awful is going to happen. These thoughts then influence our feelings. So I feel anxious. I feel fearful. I feel overwhelmed. I feel nervous. I feel panicked. I feel sick. And then these these feelings will then influence our behavior. Okay, so think about having those thoughts and having that feeling and the situation that you might avoid situation. You might remain under your cover. You might opt out. You might go home. You might stay safe. You might say no 
to something that actually could be quite good for you or something that if you weren't feeling anxious you would like to do or you'd want to do. So CBT I guess helps as I said to interrupt this self-perpetuating cycle. It's kind of like a disruptor and if you go to a CBT therapist something that they all have in common although there's there's no one size fits all with CBT because they'll really work with you personally and exactly what you're going through and what you're feeling but what they will do is ask you a series of questions to help you identify um, exactly what your thought patterns are and to see where such thinking is, is becoming quite unhelpful. So again, from your man Beck, the basic question to ask when a patient is reporting a distressing situation, emotion or dysfunctional behaviour is, what is going through your mind right now? And once a therapist helps patients to identify their dysfunctional thinking, they help them gain more adaptive and accurate perspectives, especially by helping them examine the validity and usefulness of their thoughts. And once you identify one or all parts of this vicious cycle, you can change it. The therapist will also work with you on behavioural experiments to test the accuracy of their predictions and help you see things a lot more clearly. So as a bit of a doer, and uh, I guess you could call me a control freak, I just loved this idea of being giving, I guess, homework and these mental exercises. I found it just so productive and positive and like I was no longer just drowning and wallowing in it. And I was I was taking action. And even if you still feel like absolute shit, taking that first step of action is already owning it. For for CBT exercises, which is the crucial part, you can't just say, okay, I understand what CBT is and then leave it. You need to you need to get proactive. There are there's so many different resources online. There's getselfhelp.co.uk and if you just Google CBT worksheets, you're gonna find so many of them. And I think when I first started doing them I felt like oh this is, what am I like back in, in primary school it felt stupid it felt silly um that you're actually feeling out a worksheet might have smiley faces on it <laughs> but if you're feeling like it's too basic a task just ask yourself if we were also good at identifying our thought patterns and our feelings and behaviors why would so many of us suffer so acutely from anxiety so even though it might seem silly it's it's just helping you it's a, it's a good tool so don't don't just rubbish it straight away with a lot of the exercises you will sit with a pen and paper or maybe it'll be conversational um, but I find the pen and paper really helps and you will identify your thoughts so what was going through your head at the time what is going through your head right now your feelings how did you physically feel at the time what were the emotions you were feeling and your behaviors which is just what did you do and over time the ability to clearly and calmly name these elements will will become so second nature to you that you'll be able to bounce back so much so much quicker and say aha okay I see what's going on here and I can recognize this this cognitive distortion. I can recognize that I'm I'm catastrophizing. Okay, so I want to talk you through two of my favorite go-to CBT exercises. And the first one is called the fact or opinion approach. And as you might have guessed, it is basically taking your thoughts, putting them on trial, and ascertaining whether those thoughts are fact-based or opinion-based. For the most part, I'm gonna say probably 99% of the time if you're anxious thoughts you're having are opinion-based and not fact-based. And this exercise is particularly favoured by um, a reputable psychiatric nurse called Carol Vivian, who explains on her website, very she articulates it very well, that at stressful times or anxious times, we tend to be driven by our emotions and opinions, yes, rather than fact, which create a vicious cycle by fueling each other. Our emotions strengthen our opinions, which in turn intensify our emotions. Hence, when we're stressed out or anxious, we believe the worst to be true, which makes us feel, you guessed it, even more stressed and anxious. So this requires intervention. So what you need here for this exercise is the ability to distinguish your opinions, which you can define as your own personal opinion, something that could be argued, something that's really fueled by emotion, something that's driven by your heart, from the facts, which are driven by the head, 
which are supported by rational thinking, evidence, and not at all up for dispute. Instead of letting your emotions rule the roost, which they'd like to, facts are what you need to focus on here in order to make helpful changes and encourage more rational and calm thinking. This, in turn, will have a calming, physiological effect on your acutely anxious body. So it's not just about changing your thoughts and changing your mind. When you work with your thoughts over time to challenge them, you will actually calm down your body physiologically. It's a biological thing. But I also just say be patient with this one, you know. It takes considerable time to stop yourself from jumping to the worst possible conclusion, which is something I know all too well. So what if to begin with you were to accept that many of your thoughts are opinions rather than fact? I find that when I realise that actually so much of what I'm thinking is not based on fact, it makes me less likely to become distressed by my thoughts. For example, I might have said to myself a few years ago when my friends were planning a trip to Ibiza and I just thought, oh my God, I cannot go. I can't go on this group trip. I'm going to have a panic attack. I'm going to be out of my comfort zone. I won't be able to keep up. It's going to be horrific and I'm going to want to come home early and I'm never going to want to travel again and everyone's going to think badly of me. So back then I might not have been able to stop my mind from believing that the worst almost definitely would happen. But I could at least step back and say, okay, your anxiety doesn't have a crystal ball built into the future. So you cannot know for sure that all of this terrible stuff is going to happen on this trip. These are your your anxiety field assumptions talking. And you might not actually feel this way if you weren't feeling anxious to begin with. If you're able to label your thoughts as opinion, you will be less distressed by them. And you'll be able to accept that they are not necessarily a reality. This will make you better able to make wise and calm decisions about what to do next. So I might still be filled with dread and really feeling afraid of all that could go wrong on a trip to Ibiza, but maybe despite all of my opinions, I'd survive it, and better yet, I'd have fun. The key here, as always, is to identify and accept your thoughts. You're not going to undergo a personality transplant and suddenly feel as cool as a cucumber about something that really, really rattles you, but to accept that these are just your anxious thoughts and opinions, and they're not facts. So the next time that you have a very worrying thought, simply ask yourself, is this a fact or is it an opinion? If it's an opinion, then you have to look at the facts. What do you actually know about the situation? What evidence is there that supports this thought? Is it made up? Is it conjecture? Is it based on something in the future? More than likely it is. If it's a fact, then you're okay. It's based on evidence and you're safer in making a choice about the best thing to do. So to go back to my Ibiza example, I guess I had to ask myself, What did I know about going on a trip to Ibiza? I had to dispute the opinions. Well, if I momentarily tell my anxiety to just hold on, I know that my friends and my boyfriend will be there with me. So I'm not alone on a desert island. People care about me. I'm in good hands. I know that nobody actually has a gun to my head demanding that I must do this and I must do that. I have to be out till 5am. When I'm there, I can do what I want when I want. I know that I'll probably feel okay when I get there because for me, the anticipation of something is always where I suffer the most. It's always the worst part. I had enough experience to know that this was often the case. I also know that I've had panic attacks before and I survived them. So I probably would survive it again, even if the worst happened and I did have a panic attack. And if I'm to really push these thoughts, I also know that each panic attack simply gives me more experience in dealing with anxiety and more opportunities to put all of these exercises into action. That one's quite a stretch, I know. I'd ask myself, okay, are we staying in the villa of a serial killer who has my name on his list of pending victims? Probably not. We're going to stay in a really nice place. I can have my own bedroom, my own safe space. For another example, you might be going into an exam and you might be thinking, oh my God, I'm so screwed. I'm going to fail this exam. Stop right there. Is this a fact or opinion? 
Again, it's the latter. There is no evidence to suggest that you will absolutely fail your exam. This is not to say that your thoughts should not be acknowledged. I mean, I know it makes you feel like shit, but it's important that you become aware that your negative thought about the exam could change if you were less anxious about it. Or when you do it and don't fail, you'd really wish that you could go back in time and not have given yourself so much grief in the first place. Something that I find really, really helpful, and I do it again and again all the time whenever I find myself dancing around the idea of something and being held back by anxiety, is to ask myself, what would I do if I had no anxiety at all? Would I want to go? Or what would I think if I had no anxiety at all? This will help you to determine whether something is based on cold, hard facts or anxious thoughts and opinions. So that's the factor opinion approach, and that is one of my favourites. Sounds super, super simple, but it's very effective. The next one is a behavioural experiment, and this is where you actually have to get practical. So this would involve going and taking the trip to Ibiza or going and sitting the exam. And basically you want to bring in your thoughts and feelings in advance and then do the experiment and then look at the outcome and the learning. So for the prediction, that's the first part, you're going to say, okay, what is your prediction? What are you expecting will happen? What are your thoughts around this thing that's coming up? How would you know if it came true? Your experiment is the actual going through with it. So what experiment could test this prediction? Specifically name where and when. What safety behaviours will need to be dropped? How would you know your prediction had come true? The outcome is what happened. Was your prediction accurate? And then you finish with your learning. So what did you learn? How likely is it that your predictions will happen in the future? So that is a small description of the CBT behavioural experiment. I love these and others like it, um, which you can get on those websites, are super practical and really powerful information gathering exercises that essentially you can use to test the validity of what you're thinking or what you're certain is an absolute unwavering fact. For example, I long held a belief that I was a weak person, which fueled my anxiety. My belly is gurgling. Why does my belly always gurgle when I record podcasts? So yeah, the experiments can also be used to gather evidence that confirms and supports new, more positive beliefs such as that you're not weak, that maybe you're just sensitive. And essentially, when a belief is clearly specified, for example, I'm not good enough, the evidence supporting it can be explored theoretically. And that is the whole point of CBT, is to explore all these thoughts, feelings, and behaviours and help you arrive at a much healthier, more fact-based, realistic, calm reality. So I hope you've enjoyed this little brief foray into CBT. Um, There is a chapter in it in the book. And... As I said, all those resources online are really, really helpful if you want to try some worksheets. And I know I say when it comes to anxiety, you know, it's whatever works for you and there's lots of different things. But CBT, I think, is one thing that is going to be of benefit to almost everybody. I can't see a scenario where it wouldn't be helpful. It can't cause any harm either. It's what I want to say. So stay tuned and thank you as always for listening. And I hope you're finding this helpful. The biggest names in tennis are coming to Paris for the most anticipated Roland Garros in years. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. 
Experience three weeks of unparalleled tournament access as the world's top players in tennis face off against each other. Will the veteran champions continue their dominance, or will a fresh face emerge to challenge their legacy on the clay courts? Daily live coverage of this epic showdown begins Monday, May 20th. Don't miss a matchup. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. The easiest way to access Owning It Real Time is to head to the link in the episode description or episode details, whatever you call them, show notes. You will find the link in there at the top. You can sign up right away for Owning It Real Time and access the full library of 10 situation-specific audio guides that will help you own your anxiety even more than you've ever done before.